0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look
2: coolest in a headband,
1: and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can
2: I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news
1: story, and I need all of you. To stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 10. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, and I'm joined, of course, for this Eagles-Colts preview by the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com, the great Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG. Good morning, pal. How are you?
2: Good morning, John. It is a good morning because it is almost Eagles game day and it is almost Eagles game day with Carson Wentz back under center. This is the first (laughs) podcast you and I are doing since Carson Wentz is back. It feels good. I'm excited for Sunday, John.
1: I am too. The Carson Wentz era part two begins here in just a couple of days as the Eagles get ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And uh, obviously everybody is jacked to see number 11 back out on the field. And we're going to get into all of that coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about uh, Jordan Matthews coming back to the team. We're going to take a look at Andrew Luck, uh, who will be also making a return to, uh, to the field. Obviously he's started the season uh, with the Colts, but he'd been out for a long time. So we'll talk a little bit about him as well. And uh, Frank Reich making his return back to Philadelphia. We'll get into some of the matchups. Uh, We'll give you some picks for the NFC East games coming up at the end of the podcast. So just lots of good stuff coming up here on this episode of BGN radio, as we give you your Eagles Colts preview for Sunday afternoon. Uh, But first just want to remind you guys that uh, if you haven't done so, I imagine that you already have, but if you haven't done so yet, make sure that you subscribe to the bleeding green nation podcast feed on On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasting, subscribe to the BleedingGreenNation.com podcast feed and you'll get BGN Radio, you'll get the Kiston Solak Show. Uh, I know that uh, this week we've been posting uh, the Doug Peterson news conferences and the the, the coaches news conferences and really just you're going to miss a lot if you don't subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed. So you want to make sure that you do that. Go to your favorite podcast outlet and and uh, subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed so you don't miss a single damn thing. All right, let's uh, set up this Eagles-Colts game here on Sunday afternoon, BLG. Both teams come into the contest at 1-1. and Last week, the Colts had an impressive victory on the road in Washington, 21-9. Living here in Northern Virginia, Brandon, I, I caught a lot of this game and The Colts didn't really do anything spectacular against Washington, but they played very solid football. Um, The Eagles, as we know, lost 27-21 to the Buccaneers in Tampa. Uh, The last time that the Eagles faced Andrew Luck and the Colts was in September of 2014. Mm. So quite a while ago, Eagles won 30-27. Uh, luck did not have they really held luck in check in this game he went 20 of 34 for only 172 yards 5.06 yards per attempt he did throw for three touchdowns and had an interception with a QB rating of 89.3 but I remember watching that game and this was when luck was at the height of his powers and the Eagles defense really kind of shut him down in that particular contest but obviously a lot has changed over the last three years and when the, uh, when the Colts come into town here in Philadelphia, the Eagles will welcome back a couple of pals from last year's Super Bowl team. Uh, former offensive coordinator, now head coach for the Colts, Frank Reich will be uh, manning the sidelines for Indianapolis, as well as linebacker Najee Good. So real quick, uh, before we get into some of the players, let's talk about Frank Reich coming back here, BLG, because, you know, I think there has been some question by some eagles fans and it's been rattling around in my mind a little bit too after some of the the interesting personnel usage and some of the play calling that we saw we know that frank reich was really instrumental in the eagles red zone offensive play calling I've been wondering all week, you know, how much the team is missing a guy like Reich, how much they're missing having him and John DiFilippo, by the way, but how much Reich's voice in that coach's room really had an impact on the team last year and how much they're missing him. What do you think the, the, the absence of Frank Reich has had on the Eagles so far here this season?
2: It's certainly a fair question. Uh First of all, I'd just like to say I feel like the Colts are maybe my second favorite AFC team now behind the Jets. I, I, I'm rooting for Frank Reich in Indianapolis. I obviously feel like, you know, the Colts kind of got a raw deal. They did get a raw deal, not kind of with Josh McDaniels, you know, just leaving them at the altar. But I think ultimately yeah. it might have been better for them because so I think Frank Reich is a really good coach and he's a good play caller. I think uh in talking with some of the Colts fans from over at Stampede Blue they've been really impressed by him so far. It's kind of nice to see after going through some some tough times there uh, and kind of just organizational chaos. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. good to, to for and Frank Reich obviously was there before. So it's kind of nice for him to go back and and get situated there. Um as far as the impact goes with the Eagles missing him in John De Filippo, I still think it's too early to say just because Look what the Eagles are dealing with here at the skill positions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so bad. Again, Ben and I talked about this on the uh, BGN Radio postgame show, but when you have Kamar Aiken playing 78% of their offensive Ugh. snaps, you're without Ugh. three of your top four receivers now because Alshon Jeffrey still isn't playing. He's likely not to go this week. He's still been limited in practice. Mm-hmm. I think he's either returning next week or the week after that. Mike Wallace is out until at least after Week Ten. He's on IR now. Mm. Mac Hollins is also on IR. So you're without three of your top four receivers. You're without two of your top two running backs. We talked about last week. You know the silly notion that is Darren Sproles being out a good thing? No, it's not because then J.J. Not- goes oh. down. <laughs> And then you don't have your two top running backs. So even at tight end, for whatever reason, they're not, at least last week, I, I imagine hopefully this gets fixed this week. They're not using Dallas Goddard enough, and they're, they have Josh Perkins basically in there playing wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's just not mind you, blowing. You're it. not going to win games when Kamar Aiken. And Josh Perkins are getting 12 targets. like so, so I think this is kind of an interesting part of where, oh, Frank Reich knows these plays that can kind of get overblown because the Eagles also know Frank Reich's weaknesses. So it right, goes both sides. Right. But I feel like a week where scheme could be maybe a little bit more important than usual just because the Eagles lack the talent. Maybe Frank Reich knowing the scheme, like Doug Peterson's going to be just able to come in here and totally out scheme him like they're going to you know it's more going to be like a division game in that sense and doug was even talking about that because not only do frank does frank reich know the eagles offense uh and and the eagles know frank reich but Matt Eberfluss, who is the Colts defensive coordinator, he comes from the Cowboys. So Doug Peterson mentioned that as well. They kind of have a familiarity with that defense as well in that system that the Cowboys like to run. So I think in maybe some ways that could it could almost be like a divisional game in the sense that these two opponents know each other and they're not it's not going to be like total trickery, which usually it might be in an AFC game just because you don't play those teams very often.
1: I, I submit to you that Mike Eberfluss is one of the great names in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's outstanding. Um, no, but that's 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 well taken. That's an interesting point about uh, about it being like a division game. And I, I, I thinking more about it, that that's absolutely true because you do have that familiarity usually when an AFC opponent comes into Philadelphia or you know an NFC team goes to an AFC team, a team maybe you see once every three years. There obviously is not that kind of institutional knowledge from that both teams share of one another but you're right it does go both ways it's a two-way street. Peterson knows what Reich likes to do Reich knows what Peterson likes to do and you know it'll be interesting to see how you know we've seen that Peterson is able to install wrinkles. You know, and and do things differently based on the matchup, and so it'll be interesting to see what he has in store for uh, his uh, his old offensive coordinator as he comes into Philadelphia. And the Eagles entered this game as six point favorites. Uh, we'll talk about the game uh, and give our picks on this game towards the end of the podcast. But uh, as we look at the injury report, obviously, you know, we'll get into the wide receiver situation and uh, the addition of Jordan Matthews coming up here in just a second. But we would be remiss if we did not start off the injury report with some good news, and that is, of course, number 11 coming back on the field for the first time since the Rams game last year. Before we get into Carson Wentz, though, let's just pour one out for Nick Foles and say thank you for being the ultimate backup quarterback. When you sign a guy like Nick Foles, BLG, when you go out and you sign a backup quarterback to be the guy behind your young stud, your franchise quarterback, you do do that with the hopes that he's never going to have to play. You sign Nick Foles with the hope, fingers crossed, that you're never going to have to rely on him really to make any starts for you. But being realists, we all know that backup quarterbacks play in the NFL. Starting quarterbacks generally will miss some games here and there. And obviously, when Wentz went out last year with the torn ACL, uh, we all knew that Nick Foles was going to have to step up and pull a Jeff Hostetler and uh, you know he it's exactly what he did he actually went above and beyond pulling a Jeff Hostetler in, in what he did and we saw what a magical run that was last year based on his performance to start this season Foles did, I think, about as much as he could with the talent that he had around him here at the start of this season. Yeah, he missed a lot of throws. You know, he missed some opportunities, as you've heard uh, Kist and Solak and and you talk about watching the All-22s and all that kind of stuff. But I think the performance Nick Foles gave as a backup quarterback was everything this team could have possibly dreamed of. And so I just wanted to say thank you to Nick Foles for actually doing going above and beyond what you would ask of a backup quarterback to do. what a, Just a terrific job as the backup QB stewarding this team while Carson Wentz was away.
2: Yeah, very well said, John. Obviously, the, the Eagles' money and the resources that went into Nick Foles was well spent. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Very much yep. so. Um, now, obviously...
1: Imagine if it. Was, imagine if Chase Daniels was still the backup. Right, exactly. PLG, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> exactly.
2: Um. So it, look, there is a frustrating or a, a case to be made that you know keeping him around for two games that like. So what do you think the value is of of keeping Nick Foles around this year, especially if he only plays two games? Like, if you had to trade a draft pick to get that, you know what I'm saying? Like, what would you trade to get that? Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's like a ton, especially given how he played. But I mean, that's not. That's not exactly how the situation works. So my point here is that I'm thankful for what Nick Foles did very much. But I am also very, very excited to watch Carson Wentz play football again, because not only is Carson Wentz better, he's just more fun to watch, like by a lot, like significantly. I just Nick Foles. Is not aesthetically pleasing to me. I've always said that, and and that's maybe that's a personal <laughs> preference thing. It's just I'm not having as much fun watching football when I'm watching him play. Obviously, when he's lights out, yeah, that's better. But there's times where it's just it's not fun. It's it's not as enjoyable. It's it can be tough to watch. So, Glad Carson is back, just from that sense, just from a, a simple viewing perspective.
1: Yeah, well, that's I mean that's why people loved Randall so much. I mean, with Wentz, he's a playmaker. Yep you, 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 you know, you, you sit down and you enjoy watching a playmaker with Carson Wentz. You're never out of a game. Really. You're never out of a play as we saw with that amazing throw he made against Seattle last year that you see on all the replays, you know, he's the, the, the amazing Houdini act that he pulled against the Redskins in the opener. And, you know, it's just, he's, his ability to extend plays and his ability to, to, to move in the pocket and, and make plays on the run and, and to, you know, to run for a first down when he needs to is, is what makes him so special. And that's, That's kind of what leads into my first question as we're going to talk about Carson Wentz here is that, you know, he's he's been cleared, obviously, to play. So obviously the medical staff thinks he's about as good as he's going to get this year in order to play football you do wonder how much it's going to limit him. I mean, we, I think, first of all, it would, not, it would not surprise me if Wentz comes out and is a little bit rusty. I, I know that the Eagles are not planning for that contingency. Uh, they're planning for Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz. But I think expectations for me are set in such a way that I don't expect him to come out and play at the MVP level he came out in week one. I mean, he came out last, last year in week one playing at an MVP level, out of the gate, right from the start, came out playing like an MVP, I'm not so sure we're going to see that right off the bat. We might, because Wentz is pretty incredible, but I think it would not at all surprise me if we see Carson Wentz come out and be a little bit rusty with accuracy. He's probably also, BLG, going to be a little bit pumped up getting back out there for the first time in a number of weeks. And it wouldn't surprise me if it takes a quarter, maybe a half for him to kind of get it under control a little bit. What are your expectations for Wentz uh, at the start of the game here on Sunday?
2: Johnny's going to throw 10 touchdowns in one game. 10
1: touchdowns. That's (laughs) fantastic. All right, book it, kids. I'm
2: going to go the other way on this. And look, I think everything you said there is fair. And I think I'd be remiss not to mention the possibility that it could be a slow start or some kind of adjustment period just because, look, I mean, he hasn't played since last December. Right. He had an LCL and an ACL tear. He has right. come back to the game earlier than, you know, I'm just saying like Deshaun Watson could take it. Let's just take Deshaun Watson and compare how, you know, he tore his ACL in November last year. And, you know, he obviously came back. He was ready for the start of the season. So he came back a little bit earlier than Wentz, but he doesn't look so great. And that doesn't mean Carson won't look great. I feel like he will because I've seen him in practice and he's looked super sharp. Like there's no there's just been no signs of injury. I've been saying that all offseason, every podcast yeah. we've done. Basically, he's he's looked sharp, like the accuracy there is there. The The velocity is there. The Eagles have even said that his velocity is better than ever based on the tracking they have with their you know the sports science and all the the tools they have there so i I don't see why um from him from his perspective like just ignoring the situation for a second uh why i haven't seen things to, to make me believe from that sense there will be that big period although i mean look Carson's had even last year going back to a season when he was obviously excellent there were still some issues in the sense of he sails some passes from time to time maybe we see some issues Mm -hmm. there maybe we see some issues that aren't even necessarily so much with him just going back to the skill position players I mean he's not walking into the best situation here (laughs) this is not not the most ideal it's not the worst it could be worse the offensive line could be in shambles uh you know you could have a coach who's not a good play caller like it could be worse for sure but I'm but when you are missing your top three of your top four receiving options you're missing two of your top two running back options likely it's just it's not the best situation and for Carson Wentz to have been missing time in the offseason and for Jordan Matthews to not even be on the team you know the whole offseason and and Kamar Aiken also coming into camp late and then getting hurt like he hasn't had all the time in the world. To work with these guys in terms of right. uh, getting synced up with them, so there could be some issues in that sense, and maybe that makes him look a little worse than you might expect or you might hope for. But that's not necessarily on him; it's just kind of an un, you know the the crunch of everything and, and the situation around him dictating how he looks overall. Though I just think this Colts defense isn't like good enough to prevent him from from having a good day. I think he is going to be <laughs> juiced to be back in this game and he's going to be amped up. And again, if he looks anything like I saw him look in practice, I think he's going to look pretty good this week.
1: How nervous are you going to be watching him play though? I mean, like I'm going to be, very, very nervous for probably at least the next few weeks. You know, I, I probably, I probably won't relax until he takes his first shot. You know, in the, in the backfield when he gets sacked or if, if a defender goes low on him a little bit, I'm gonna be a little bit nervous every time he runs out of the pocket. And I guess you know what? More, I think about it. Last year, I was nervous every time he ran out of the pocket last year too, because <laughs> you know it's always precious cargo. You know, don't please don't hit the precious cargo too hard. You know, but and we know the NFL is you know, has jiggered their rules around to protect the quarterback. And, you know, you can argue whether or not that's made football better or worse. You know, some of the, some of the penalties we've seen called on defensive linemen for hitting the quarterback this year have been utterly ridiculous. I yeah. Mean, why the Packers game. Oh, it's just—it's a textbook tackle, and and how you call a penalty on some of these different plays it might just make him wear flags and and pull the flag for crying out loud. But you know, in in this case with Carson Wentz coming back, you know, I'm fine with it. You know, put 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 him in <laughs> bubble wrap and you know, definitely protect Carson Wentz. And we've seen that Doug Peterson has said that he's not going to come up with a game plan that protects Carson wins you know he's not going to go easy on Carson um he's gonna he's gonna game plan just like he would if Carson was 100 healthy what, what do you make of that uh, 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 I mean I'm I'm I think that's the way to go I think that's probably the best way to do it because in my experience when you coach scared when you when you try to protect your players from injury a lot of times BLG that's when players get injured
2: yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I'm not really worried so much about that. Like, I know a lot of people will be, and you will be, and whoever will be, and that's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't be, but personally, Terrified. that's fine. <laughs> but I think back to last year, and I think maybe we even, like, the way Carson got hurt, I'm not going to say we forget, because we all know, but I it wasn't necessarily the hit that caused the ACL tear, right? We I think a lot of people have said it was just the launch, like, the the jumping into yeah. the end zone the way he did. So... You know, a hit isn't necessarily going to be the most dangerous thing to him. It could be just a freak play. And and at that point, like, you know, it's just bad luck. I don't know what he's supposed to do. Otherwise, you know, do you want him to not, you know, try to go for a touchdown? No. So, uh right. I think, you know, getting him back in here and and look, you know, I I just think it's funny when Carson's like, oh, I'm not going to change how I play. And I don't think everyone gets upset about it, but I think some people do. And they're like, oh, how can he not change? And it's like, well, he was almost an MVP last year. Why would you want him to change how he played? Yeah. If he's playing really good. So um the, the, now the caveat with that is I think there are some times where Carson Wentz can obviously protect himself better. We saw it last year in the Panthers game, which. Obviously, a moment I loved and I think a lot of us loved when he just decided to take Luke Kuechly on or whoever it was like just head on. And like that's that's awesome to see in some ways because, you know, your quarterback is tough as heck and he will do anything to win. And I love that. But on the same time, you know, maybe don't do that, Carson. Like yeah, maybe don't do that again. We'll be a little bit smarter about that. There's some times where more so in his rookie season, and I think an underrated area where he improved from 2016 to 2017 was he was just taking some unnecessary shots, especially running along the sideline, even like almost like running out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage and also getting like tackled while doing it, like just throw the ball away. Like just get, like that's all you you all you have to do is throw the ball right at the sideline like you're right there just do it and yeah. that, he got a little bit better at that last year so hopefully um you know that continues to show that he is getting better at protecting himself obviously like look guys it's been on his mind <laughs> i'm sure right it's you know he's he knows how badly he wanted to be on the field last season and that, how he wasn't able to like this is very much on his mind I'm sure the coaching staff the doctors have been drilling it into his head like you know you have to protect yourself so I'm not worried about it he's gonna have the brace on um it doesn't look like Carson Wentz loves that brace just looking at him over the course of the (laughs) offseason practices like I always feel like he's like pulling at it adjusting it he's gonna be wearing it he said the the doctors on Wednesday he's he's like well the doctor said it's best so he kind of like put it on them uh that he has to wear it but overall I think we're going to see a, a fairly healthy Wentz, and I think we're going to see him be smart. Um, I don't think there's going to be no recklessness. I mean, like, look, um, if he's going to have an opportunity to make a play, I think he's going to go out there and try to do it. I don't think he's going to be totally shy and a different player. Yeah. I believe him when he says that he is not going to change his game.
1: Well, and you don't want him to be thinking about it either. You know, The, the yeah. idea here is that you want him to be playing like he, he's not thinking about his knee. Otherwise, he's not going to be effective. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's got to be able to play without worrying constantly every time he gets hit my knee. You know, that's if that's how if you know, if that's how he's going to be playing, then he's not ready yet. And obviously, that's not the case. So, um, you know, one of the things, too, now that we're talking about it, you mentioned the fact he's not going to have a whole lot of weapons at his disposal. Um, the Eagles without their number one, number two and number four wide receivers coming into this game. Far less than ideal, and so the Eagles went out and got him some help. And um, one of his best buddies is now back on the team. Jordan Matthews signed by the team uh, this week. Uh, he's going to play uh, this week. Obviously, the Eagles need Jordan Matthews desperately. Really, they needed somebody. They they needed to get somebody in here, and they decided to go with Matthews over signing someone like Corey Coleman, who was uh, released by the Cleveland Browns after the Browns went out and traded for Josh Gordon and. It was an interesting decision that the Eagles had in front of them. They could have gone for something more high impact like Josh Gordon and, and made a trade for somebody like that. But uh, you also, with Jordan Matthews, the Eagles' need for somebody to get on the field was immediate. And I guess BLG, and I, you can provide more insight on this probably than I can, the the idea here probably... To me, seems more likely that they needed somebody who knew the offense, who knew the system that Carson would be comfortable with, maybe necessarily over someone who might be more high impact. Is that a fair way to look at the decision to go with Jordan Matthews over somebody else?
2: Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to put it. And I think there's sense in that. I think obviously, you know, the Eagles are playing this week. (laughs) Like it's a very short turnaround from the time that Mike Wallace gets hurt and all of a sudden, you know, it's Wednesday already and then they have to prepare for week three. So they need someone in here. Uh, you know, Corey Coleman didn't clear waivers until Tuesday night, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, you don't, you don't even know cause they wanted to bring him, the Eagles wanted to bring him in for a workout last week, but it just didn't happen because he signed with the Patriots before that. Uh, obviously the Eagles didn't get Josh Gordon. I felt originally like going into Sunday's game cause that rumor had, well, the news had come out on Saturday evening that the the Browns were going to be cutting him and my first reaction was like, The Eagles don't need this guy. They you know, I think they're gonna get Alshon back. They have Mike Wallace. Nelson Idler has been good. Like they don't need to give up a pick. They're gonna have their starting receivers back soon. But then Wallace got hurt and I was like, Well, maybe they do need him now because they're you know, they're they're without three of their top four guys and the risk just might be worth it for this team that desperately like after watching Kamara Aiken play 78% of the snaps, I'm like, well, yeah. maybe actually the Eagles could use Josh Gordon. <laughs> so uh, it didn't happen, obviously. It's kind of, I think it's a little bit of a bummer just because it didn't seem like, you know, the price was that much. The Patriots give up a five and it's a conditional. A
1: conditional five. Where, yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: They get a seventh back if right. he plays in 10 of the games. Like that's, you know, it's not bad. Like uh, it's just so there's a little bit of protection there. But in any case but even the, the thing with him is he's been limited in practice this week like he's had a hamstring issue the Eagles needed immediate help so they got it in Jordan Matthews apparently he's healthy after dealing with some injury issues for the past couple of years now really um and there's sense to it again he knows the system uh, having a good relationship with Carson Wentz helps for sure as we talked about earlier i think that's one of the things that you know with Carson Wentz not having the off season to to work with uh, it's nice to have a guy at least he he know he has something to start with here and it's not coming in just completely fresh so at the same time uh the jordan matthews thing frustrates me in some ways just because we can't have a real conversation about him sometimes because some people yeah. out there just like just <laughs> i they're not realistic about jordan matthews they 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 just look at his stats they cite his stats and they they talk about how Odell Beckham and AJ Green and and Randy Moss and whoever are like the only other players to do this through the first so many games of their careers and it just totally ignores how in 2014 through 2016 uh, there's a good chunk there where Jordan Matthews is in Chip Kelly's high fast-paced tempo offense where he's getting more reps than ever and not even just yeah. him everyone is having career years in the Eagles' offense because the Eagles are running more plays. They are getting more volume. So those, those stats aren't uh indicative of efficiency. They're volume stats. And to Jordan Matthews credit, he put them up still. But I mean, when he is just putting up when he is only your, your real viable option, because the, let's not forget how bad the Eagles were at wide receiver in 2016. I'm sure people oh, yeah. can't like the, the ball has to go somewhere guys. And he's going to rack up those stats. And, Again, like Jordan Matthews is a good personality, good locker room guy. I don't hate him personally. It's just I hate the perception of him when we're talking about him in in like we're using those other names I mentioned to say, you know, like oh, like look at him. He's I know people don't necessarily think he is those players, but I don't know. I just. I'm not overly excited about adding him back. I think it's a fine addition. I think it's a little annoying because now you move Nelson Aguilar to the outside. And it's not that I don't think Mm. Aguilar can't do that, but I just I feel like John, like look how much better the offense got last year when Jordan Matthews was gone. Like if to me, it felt like, okay now you don't have this guy bogging down the offense. Zach Ertz is suddenly a, a lot better than he's ever been in his career. Nelson Aguilar is way better than he's ever been in his career. And now, like, he's back. He's, Jordan Matthews is back. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna, he'll get open, you know, he'll, he'll have some production, I'm sure. Uh, with me not being crazy about the signing, he's naturally gonna score like three touchdowns on Sunday in a, you know, like, I'm gonna, everyone's <laughs> gonna be like, oh, see It was a great move. So. Uh, I mean, there's there, it could have been worse. Like, I'm not going to bash the signing and say they shouldn't have done it. But I think ideally, in an ideal world, they would have signed Jeremy Macklin instead. I just think the only complication mm. there is that you know Jeremy Macklin apparently got hurt uh, training for this season yeah. to be ready for this season. So I just think he is a more direct replacement because you could have had him come in and he would have immediately filled that Mike Wallace role and he, you wouldn't have to move Nelson Aguilar around. So I think in an ideal world, that is what would have happened. It's what could happen still. Apparently, uh John Clark, Clark had reported that the Eagles plan to work out Jeremy Macklin maybe this week. So we'll see if he eventually comes in here anyway. But for now, I think it's enough where, you know, it's, you know, it was the right move, quote unquote. But it's just not the most exciting move, at least for me.
1: No, it's not exciting, and and Jordan Matthews also has issues with drops, as we—maybe if, if, everyone's forgotten that, but Jordan Matthews has an issue with dropping the football, and that's not something that you want to see, especially as Carson is coming back. You do know that there, Carson does love Jordan Matthews, and so obviously he'll be looking in that direction, but I agree with you with, with Aguilar— Moving to the outside, he's clearly better in the slot, but Jordan Matthews is also better in the slot, and so you didn't get an exact Mike Wallace um, replication, but I I also agree with you. I, I don't know that there was a better option if you needed immediate help this week, if you'd gone out and gotten Coleman or Gordon uh, obviously, like you said, they have to wait on Macklin until he's a little bit healthier. There just probably wasn't an option out there that there was no great situation here. And I would like to say, okay, well, you know, then just rely on the run game here this week. We've seen the Eagles do that last year in certain games where they came out and they were a running team. I know that was one of the things when Wentz went out last year. We said, we looked at a, a, a number of different games. that said, see, the Eagles are multidimensional. It's not just a past first team. They can rely on the run game when they want to. Unfortunately... You're looking at Corey Clement as the bell cow here this week if you're going to do that because, as of right now, Jay Ajayi is not going to play and Darren Sproles is certainly not going to play. So you've got Clement and the team re-signed uh, Josh Adams and uh, he, now he's probably going to he's going to be what the number two running back this weekend, right?
2: Well, hopefully uh, we don't see a ton of Wendell Smallwood because I what are we doing? Like what are we doing if we're giving?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's come just, on. Like,
2: Where are we going with that? There's just, I mean, like Wendell Smallwood is fine at best. Like he's just, at best, he is fine. It's not a terrible, it's not the worst thing in the world to give him carries, but it's not a good thing. And honestly, I want to see Corey get a lot of touches this week. Like I know Doug doesn't love to rotate the running backs or Deuce or whoever you want to put it on, but we need to see a lot of Corey because when Corey Clement touches the ball Good things happen. Like, we saw that against the Bucs. Yeah. Uh, I want to see more of that, especially mm-hmm. with it looking like J.J. and Darren Sproles won't be playing. Just give him a shot to be that lead guy this week. Why not? Like, do you really want to get Wendell Smallwood involved? No. Uh, do I want to see Josh Adams get a couple touches? Sure, because I thought at times in the preseason, obviously in the last preseason game, he didn't look as good, but I also would argue that you know he's playing with, in addition to facing backups, he's also playing with a bunch of third string offensive linemen and, and and such. I thought he looked a little bit better earlier in the preseason. So, uh, but again, right there, we're only talking about like, I still want to only see him for like what five carries at most. Uh, and yeah, I don't really, I honestly just don't want to see small at all. I just don't just, I just don't. No, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm with you, But I, I do want to see yeah. Corey get a lot of touches in this game because I think he can really be one of their best weapons. Again, like anytime, the Eagles have given this guy a shot. Good things happen. Why not use him more? I know maybe he doesn't like in I don't I want to say like he doesn't project to be a lead back, but I don't know why not like just give him the opportunity this week.
1: Well, he didn't project to be what he, he is. is now, BLG. You know, I mean, he's he's already surpassed. Yeah. Expectations. So
2: why not give him all these chances this week when? Because it's just gonna be disappointing. Because I just I think back to last week when they ran that third and eleven draw with Wendell Smallwood. Like, what are they doing there? Like, I just why Doug? Like, yeah. why? Like, if you're gonna do that play, maybe use like your best running back. I don't know. I just. Disappointing. Yeah I,
1: know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't I didn't have a problem with that play call as much as other people did, because I, I think on third and long, sometimes the draw play works. You know, you see you see that sometimes with a, a run play on a third and long Defenses are sagging back. You've got the the corners playing back. You know you've got you've got a team in nickel or in dime, and maybe you you, you sneak the running back through. But if you're going to do that, use your use your the more dynamic player. Uh, using Wendell Smallwood in that situation is. Too smart by half, you know, it's that one. That one didn't make any sense to me. I didn't hate that play call. I just hated the personnel usage. And that was that went with a lot of the personnel usage that the Eagles used last week in Tampa, which I know uh, we're going to kind of get into here in just a second. One last injury thing. And let's let's kind of let's move on this um, pretty quickly here. How is Jason Peters looking in practice this week? Because we saw that he missed some time during the game last week. He was kind of in and out of the game at different points. And we know how important Jason Peters is, especially because we we want him to be protecting Carson Wentz's blindside this week against the Colts. How healthy is Peters? Is he is He's the injury that no one really talks about because of all the issues going on at wide receiver and running back? Is there a lot to be worried about with Peters?
2: It's interesting because after the game on Sunday, Jason Peters had talked about how he kind of suffered the quad on the last day of practice leading up to the Bucks game, like the last play of practice leading up to the Bucks mm. game, which is unfortunate, but yeah. um, had to leave the game early. We, it's not something we haven't seen from him before. Uh, I don't know if you remember back to the first game of last season, but that's what happened last year, basically. Like yeah. Vitae had to come in. JP missed most of that game. It's kind of just where Jason Peters is at in his career where – you know, he'll start the game like he's he's going to play most of the games, you know, barring some kind of catastrophic injury like he suffered last year. But you don't know how long he's always going to remain in the game because yeah. he's had some nagging issues. And hopefully uh, that doesn't prove to be an issue this week. It doesn't sound like he's not going to start. I know that's a double negative there. But Doug Peterson said he will be starting. He's been limited in practice, so that's better than not practicing at all for sure. Um, but I, I think he'll be out there. It's just a matter of how long he stays in, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of just have to see if he can be healthy. Hopefully he is because Jason Peters is really good in week one, and that you know that's big. And I think Vitae did a better job of holding up last week relatively, certainly much looking much better than he did in the preseason. But when you're already down the, to those skill players, quote-unquote skill players that you have right now, I mean, you, like the offensive line being intact could at least – you know, make things a lot better and it looks like it will be. So hopefully that's the case. But like, if you're missing Jason Peters, in addition to all those guys, a wide receiver and running back, and even if you want to lump in Richard Rogers there at tight end, like that's just not, it's not great. It's not, it's not ideal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Colts here a little bit, and obviously Andrew Luck is their marquee player, along with T.Y. Hilton, and uh, last week against the Redskins, uh, Luck went 21-31 for 179, threw two touchdowns, had two interceptions, a 77.2 rating, only 5.77 yards per attempt, Uh, and uh, in week one, he he had 53 pass attempts in his first start back in week one, went 39-53 for 319, two tutties and an interception, 93.2 rating, just over six yards per attempt in that one uh he still has hilton on the outside um you know i guess the the fair question with luck is how good is he like is this going to be the same quarterback that was so dominant we know that um you know before he got hurt we we saw with luck in these first couple of weeks that they have not been stretching the field with him it's been more of an intermediate uh type offense Uh Quick releases, uh, getting the ball out quickly, Uh, Andrew Luck not really pushing the ball down down the field just yet. What what kind of things are you expecting from the Colts offense and Andrew Luck based on what we've seen from the first couple weeks from those guys?
2: Yeah, and talking to some of the Colts writers, they feel like they see signs of the same Andrew Luck, of course, before the injury. But you just said it there, John. If Andrew Luck is 100% back to what he used to be, I mean... Are the Colts running the offense they are now? Like, is that the case? You know, like this this short passing game, this quick passing game. I think there's, you know, something to that there. Um, I think Andrew Luck is obviously a a very good player when he is healthy. So, uh, but I I just don't, I don't fully buy that he is exactly the same as he was before. After that layoff and everything, Um, I'm not, I'm not like scared of him necessarily, if that's fair to say. Uh, Yeah. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not terribly scared either because we haven't seen him push the ball down the field. I, I think the name scares me as much as anything yeah. else right now. And T. Y. Hilton scares me, obviously. We saw what Deshaun Jackson did to the Eagles this week, uh last week, and we saw the secondary have an issue covering some of these receivers and tackling was obviously an issue. Uh we saw I mean it, it will be better with the Eagles defense at home this week. Mm-hmm. We know the offen- the the splits, but the the home road splits with the Eagles defense right now and It's not good, but they'll be back home. And so you'd like to think that the Eagles home crowd will be able to make life a little bit more difficult for Andrew Luck. But I watched Luck play against Washington last week, and he looked very confident back there. But they are going with a lot of quick stuff, a lot of intermediate stuff. And some of that might be because they're without their left tackle, Uh, Anthony Costanzo. It could be that he's just he doesn't maybe he doesn't have the arm strength to throw downfield. I think they'll take their shots, though, against, against this offense because we've seen the Eagles have the ability, even though they play in cover three, even though they play off, that the Eagles do allow the deep ball sometimes, especially on Jalen Mills' side of the field. So he does scare me a little bit, BLG, but it's mostly, I think, just residual from the name. It's important to remember this will be his third game after not having played for more than a year. And you'd like to think that the Eagles defensive line can make life difficult for him in the pocket based on the fact that the the Colts do not have their starting left left tackle and that it's not the best offensive line in football by any means.
2: Yeah, uh, Brandon Graham per uh, Jimmy Kemsky this week <laughs> in the locker room <laughs> <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> about uh Colts starting right tackle Joe Haig with Anthony Costanzo out. Uh, and for reference here, uh, Joe Haig is Carson Wentz's former teammate from North ah, Dakota okay. State. Uh, (laughs) but apparently Brandon Graham said, uh, from what I see so far, it's going to be a good day. (laughs) So that's, that's just Brandon Graham being honest. And you know, he's not going to, Brandon Graham isn't going to sugarcoat things. If if someone asks him about a bad offensive lineman that he's going up against, he's just going to be honest about it. So, but I mean, Hey, look, BG. I love it. But at the same time, if you say that, you better yeah, back go it up. Eat, like, man. You better, and, and look, I don't doubt Brandy Graham will bring his A game. But like, I got to see a big performance. We need to see this defensive line come up big. Like I, I, Michael Kiss did a good job of of talking about this. On uh, the Kiss and Solak show this week, but you know, like the Eagles' defensive line was getting pressure last week, so it's not totally against them. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was getting the ball out even faster last week than he was against the Saints in Week One, which is pretty crazy. And the Eagles still managed to get more pressure than the Saints did, even knowing that. So I'm not saying the defensive line hasn't produced, but they're going to need another big game this week. Like, they're going to need to make an impact play. That's something we didn't see last week. We, had, we saw Fletcher Cox sack Ryan Fitzpatrick early on, and that was great. But after that, we didn't see... Like, we need to see a strip sack. We need to see uh you know the the defensive line force Andrew Luck into a bad throw at some point like we're going to need the defense to come up big i have confidence they will do that in some capacity you had mentioned the the home road splits being very real i don't know what that is yeah. john Jim Schwartz doesn't seem to know what it is. He was asked about it this week. Uh, You know, is it a sample size thing? I feel like the sample size is, you know, we have a a good sample now, considering it's the start of the 2016 season we're working with from in this sample. But uh, I do think the defense will be good at home, and I think they'll bounce back. I think, you know, you look at last week's defensive performance overall, and it wasn't a nightmare. I mean, what, they allowed 27 points? That's not awesome for sure but it's not like it's not a a total debacle i think and it just feels like the plays where they gave up those 75 yard touchdowns it wasn't like oh man like the eagles just couldn't have done anything better no like malcolm jenkins admitted he played the deshaun's route wrong he bit on it early because he Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be something underneath and it clearly wasn't and everyone in the stadium and everyone in the entire world knew that except (laughs) malcolm jenkins which is frustrating (laughs) But it was a mistake. And then the O. J. Howard touchdown was just kind of a comedy of errors where, you know, Benjamin Solak was talking about this where it was just it's a game of inches. You know, Jordan Hicks is not too far away from breaking up that pass or being right there. And then Ronald Darby just whips on him and all of a sudden it's a touchdown. Like I don't think that shows this defense is fundamentally flawed as much as they had some they just executed poorly against the Bucks. And I think they'll clean some of that up at home. I think they'll be better. Uh, we've seen the Eagles defense play really well at home. I have confidence we will see improvement in that regard. I don't think the Colts are doing a ton of things on offense where you're scared of them, especially with the offensive line like we talked about. Also, T.Y. Hilton hasn't even been practicing this week. It sounds like he will play because he went on Good Morning Football and said he'll be fine, but I don't know. Some Sometimes players say they'll be fine, but, I mean, he hasn't been practicing, so that's kind of something to obviously look out for and we'll see if he's able to even play, but if he's not, I mean, that's a, That's a huge loss for them. So we'll see how that goes. But overall, I don't think this Colts offense is doing anything again, where uh, you should be shaking in your boots quite.
1: I was going to say, do they put, is it going to be Darby on T Y Hilton this week? Uh, is Hopefully. Is it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the other thing the Colts have, they have a couple of good tight ends uh, that uh that, that can make some plays. You have uh, uh, Eric Ebron um, who, uh, who, is a pretty good pass catcher himself uh, and Jack Doyle who can also make some plays and, you know, O.J. Howard had a big game against the Eagles last week. Obviously, a lot of that came on the one the one broken tackle, a long touchdown. But uh, O.J. Howard, a very talented tight end. And you've got two pretty talented tight ends. They might not be prolific tight ends, but very solid pass-catching options for the Colts here. To me, that's an area that I'm a little bit concerned about is being able to keep those guys under control because the, the Colts are going to go there a lot. Uh, the, the fact that they like to get the ball out quick, they're going to be looking for those tight ends.
2: When was the last time an Eagles tight end like really hurt the Eagles like, a tight end really hurt the Eagles defense? I mean, I'm not really gonna like count I'm like consistently, you know what I mean? LJ Howard had a yeah. big play last week, but he didn't he also had a turnover at one point, and he didn't uh it's not like he was just consistently, you know, beating the Eagles. I think their linebackers have like I think Nigel Bradham Uh, who looked a little bit rusty in his first game back, hopefully less so this week. And I think having Jordan Hicks out there, I trust those guys. And Jack Doyle also has not been practicing this week, so he might not be suiting up. It looks like there might be a chance he doesn't play. So that leaves you with Ebron, who is a good player. And I think Lions might be kicking themselves a little bit now for moving on from him for nothing. Um, But I, I think the Eagles have what it takes to cover the tight ends i think you know jordan hicks and nigel bradham are some of the the best really honestly some of the best or at least better coverage linebackers in the league here and i just can't even remember the last time the eagles have been really torched by tight end now obviously i'm i'm jinxing it by saying that of course but (laughs) but uh i'm not worried about that too much in that regard
1: last thing before we get to our picks uh We get you. It's been talked about all week. The fact that the Eagles played so much three wide receiver last week with the fact that they had a deficiency at the wide receiver position and that Dallas Goddard really did not play much at all. And I know Mike Groh talked about that during the news conference, said there were extenuating circumstances as to why Goddard didn't play more over Josh Perkins and. You went out and drafted this guy in the second round so that he could play. The whole idea of going out and drafting Goddard was so you could have these matchup issues in two tight end sets. And we haven't seen the Eagles. It's only been two games, but we haven't seen the Eagles utilize the two tight end set with Ertz and Goddard on the field at the same time all that much so far. And especially last week with the wide receiver core decimated. You know, again, with Aguilar moving to the outside and you've got Matthews in the slot, this is still not an ideal wide receiver setup. Do you think you'll see more two tight end sets this week as opposed to three wide receiver? And when the Eagles go to the two tight end sets, will we see Ertz and Goddard on the field at the same time?
2: I hope so, John, because they need to do that. it's, yeah. it's What are we doing when we're having Josh Perkins <laughs> play 33% of the snaps and Dallas Goddard? Doesn't even get like so. Kamari and and Josh Perkins can combine for twelve targets, six each. But Dallas Goddard can't get even one. Like that's just it's crazy, mind boggling. And look, yeah, like the the coaching staff. I don't even buy it what they've said about the extenuating circumstances things because. No. Look, Dallas Goddard's just you have to find a way to get him on the field. Like I don't even I don't even care if he's not in the game plan. Like you have to get him some kind of targets, more than zero. Um yeah. but okay, let's give the Eagles a pass on that one, even though they shouldn't get a pass on that one. But let's give them the pass and let's <laughs> say, okay. Like this is the week now where we have to see it. We need to see that 12 personnel out there. We need to see Dallas Goddard get more involved. I hopefully hopefully Mike Groh wasn't just, you know, giving lip service when he said that, yes, that needs to happen. Hopefully like they're like this week they're not going to have the excuse that they had last week where you know they went into the game and they had a different game plan now they know they're going to be pretty limited at wide receiver and I know Doug loves person at three uh, uh 11 personnel three wide three wide receiver sets, and there are reasons mm-hmm. for that. I think the Eagles like to run out of that especially you know because it just it, it makes it uh lighter the box lighter yeah um but
1: creates more holes in the middle of the field i used to I, listen. My, my my way of game planning is playing math. <laughs> I I love running out of three and four wide receiver sets because it's just there's usually there's generally fewer big bodies in the middle of the field when you do that.
2: right. But it's just I I hope we're not in a situation where Jordan Matthews is coming in and he's getting like a ton of playing time right out of the gate, even though he has familiarity. But then like Dallas Goddard's getting thirteen percent of the snaps, like that's that's pretty frustrating to see that. I know yeah. rookie tight ends. Take time to adjust to the league. I've been saying that all offseason. It's part of why I wasn't totally... I wasn't out on Dallas Goddard as the pick, but I just... You know, that was... If I'm making a list of pros and cons, that was one of the cons that rookie tight ends take time to develop here. I'm not ex- like I'm not asking for the Eagles to play him and you know him to be the savior of the offense or he's going to be the difference maker. Like if he had played, the Eagles would have beaten the Bucks last week. That's not what I'm saying. But there has to be something between that and him getting zero targets like that's just not OK. Yeah. Like, they need to get him involved this week. It will be malpractice if they do not find a way to get him <laughs> at least one target target like beyond that for sure I mean he needs to get more than that but I'm saying at least one come on what are we doing guys you traded up for him you're missing offensive weapons desperately like get this guy involved.
1: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's absolutely correct. It's they've got to get him on the field. You just want your you want your most dynamic players out there, especially when you don't have a field stretcher at wide receiver right now. So, I mean, Aguilar can stretch the field a little bit, but that's not really his game obviously uh, on the outside. Yeah. So, um well, that's a, that's a pretty comprehensive look at the Eagles and the Colts coming up here on Sunday. Before we give our picks for this game, let's go over our NFC East picks uh, for this week. And, Brandon, last week, my friend. Oh, boy. Ooh, 0-3 last week with with the picks on the uh we, we I don't uh, like this
2: whole accountability thing here. What is yeah, this? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm only
1: doing this because I did well. Uh so <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair. Yeah, no, That's I'm just fair. kidding.
1: But no, it's um uh yeah, we uh we picked the uh we picked uh, Patriots uh uh jaguars last week and we both missed that one um but um you are three and three on the season uh i went two and one uh, five and one on the season so far that will of course reverse itself as we go through the following weeks here let's uh talk about the uh the one o'clock giants at houston texans game the texans favored by three and a half i'll let you take a crack at this one first sir
2: John, the Giants are bad. Who could have guessed that they
1: are very bad that
2: rebuilding <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, running it back rather with a 37 year old Eli Manning, who is clearly washed up and the offensive line, which is not very good and now lost arguably one of their best offensive linemen and their starting center, John Halapio. Things aren't going to mm-hmm. be good for the Giants. The fans are already abandoning ship. You know, we have those fan pulse numbers over at bleedinggreennation.com that SB Nation puts together and you can sign up for that. On BlueGreenNation.com, if you find the fan pulse post on there, um, but Giants fans are pretty much already giving up. It seems like they think they're going to lose this game by six points. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, for as talented as he is, it's just like what what is he really going to accomplish when yeah.
1: he can't do it the, all?
2: The line isn't there. He can't do it all um he's making people miss but he's also getting like tackled like five times because everyone's just swarming to him because <laughs> that's where right. the giants are at right now so with all that said i i can't pick the giants to win in houston although i don't feel good about the texans either deshaun watson hasn't looked awesome uh that team isn't impressing me for sure but i just think giants going on the road here and just given how bad they've looked overall this season I, I i'm taking the texans i think they'll find a way to to bounce back at home
1: yeah i'm taking the texans as well and i'm i'm going on the other side of this as far as deshaun watson i'm calling it huge game for deshaun watson awesome. this week I, I think I think you're going to see. I think this is the Deshaun Watson breakout game. He's had a couple of weeks to get uh, kind of back in the flow. I think I think the Texans lay one on the Giants, and I think Deshaun Watson has a monster game this week for Houston. Um, all right, second game. We're going to talk about the one o'clock game between the Green Bay Packers at the Washington Redskins. Uh, Green Bay favored by two and a half in this one, and. This is Aaron Rodgers going up against the Redskins. The Redskins, as we know, are a pretty solid football team. They did not look good against the Colts. The offense at home looked stagnant. And by the way, the Washington home crowd last week, there was nobody there. I couldn't believe how many empty seats there were in that stadium, a stadium that is always sold out. If if you've ever gone to Washington to watch a game at FedEx Field, it's impossible to get there. It's impossible to get out of there. (laughs) The stadium experience is garbage. All of those things are true, but that has never been a reason for fans not to go there. That place is always sold out. This is a decent football team. The Washington Redskins are a decent football team. They're not great, but they're not bad either. I think this is a, a team that has the potential of making the playoffs. I think they're certainly an eight-eight to nine-win team. They did not look good against the Indianapolis Colts, however, on Sunday, and we saw their impressive victory against the Cardinals in Week One, and then we saw how bad the Cardinals looked in Week Two. Starting to wonder how much of how good the the Washington Redskins looked in the opening week, how much that was uh, uh, the Cardinals not being good because when they when they came home to play the Colts, they did not look nearly as effective. We've, we saw Alex Smith is going to be a guy who doesn't really get beat with turnovers, but the ceiling, again, is not as high with Smith, and Washington is going to be one of those teams where when they get down, they're going to have a hard time coming back and putting up points, I think. So this is a game, I think, where Washington is going to need to the defense is going to need to hold down Aaron Rodgers, and even on the road, I think Aaron Rodgers has a pretty good game against this Washington defense, and if that happens, if Green Bay gets an early lead, if they get ahead by 10, 13 points, it's really hard for Washington to come back and, and win so i'm taking I'm taking Green Bay in this in this game to win and also cover. yeah,
2: we're on the same page so far, John. I don't know how you could not take Aaron Rodgers. I know he's not a hundred percent right now. It didn't really matter much against the Vikings. I mean, the the Packers should have won that game. You know, we talked about it earlier. It's ridiculous that, you know, Kirk Cousins, your boy there, John. My boy. A a terrible pick that should have counted. (laughs) Um, It's terrible that uh, that didn't happen for Green Bay. So uh, I do think Aaron Rodgers will overall be fine enough to have a really good game once again against Washington. Uh, There's a part of me, I guess, that believed that maybe this Washington, Washington team is one of those weird teams where you know, like one week they're losing to the Colts at home and then the next week somehow they're beating Aaron Rodgers. Like maybe they're just like one of those yeah. weird teams that kind of just does some unexpected things in that regard. Because overall, I agree with your point. I still think they're I, I don't think they're. This team that coming into the season, you looked at a lot of power rankings and projections, and I think people had them as maybe like a five, six win team. I still think they're a little bit better than that. I think they're more overall of like a seven, eight win team. Uh, so I, I don't think they're horrible just yet, but we'll see. And I think if Aaron Rodgers blows them out, then maybe I'm, I'm changing my opinion on that.
1: Yeah, and a Green Bay win pushes Washington to 0-2 at home to start the season. That would would not go over well here for Washington, D.C. Sports Talk Radio, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, The last game we're going to talk about at 425, Dallas at Seattle. The Seahawks favored by three at home. BLG, why don't you take a crack at this one first?
2: Oh, boy. Um, I, I love how Cowboys fans have... They like they, they just flip the switch so easily. They lose in week one. Feeling to the strong now, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at literally when they go down sixteen zero, still a two possession game. You see our our friends over, and I use the word friends lightly here. Our enemies, I should say, over <laughs> at Blogging the Boys are tweeting about how Jason Garrett needs to be fired, Scott Linehan needs to be fired. And this is after an offseason of them just like totally pumping up those guys and being like, yeah, Jason Garrett is still the right coach for the Cowboys. And then the season's over after they lose to the Panthers and then they play the Giants and they don't even like blow them out. Like they they, they get a comfortable win over the Giants and all of a sudden the defense is like amazing now and Dak is back, (laughs) even though after his touchdown pass, he completed something of like, uh, it was, it was terrible. I think he had like 83 yards of the rest of the game. He averaged 3.3 yards per attempt the rest of the game after that long touchdown pass where Janoris Jenkins basically Mm -hmm. just like fell down. So I'm still not, you know, in no way is Dak Prescott quote unquote back. Like that's just ridiculous to say. I, I don't, really buy this Dallas team at all still they have their issues on the other side Seattle <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks yeah do not look good at all I think they, they are they can't even move the ball it's it's really bad I think they're just they're they're set up to fail so much I cannot believe how the Seahawks have totally just neglected the offensive line over the years. Like, what are they like? What is the philosophy behind that? Like there's, they've just made like no effort to protect Russell Wilson or give him time to throw. I'm not in love with the skill players there. Brian Schottenheimer. Then like, why, why is that your hire? Like that yeah. could be the, the the least inspiring hire you could possibly make for an offensive coordinator, a guy who has clearly just gotten by in his last name. And has just not been productive or very good at the NFL level. Now, with that said, once again, I just think Seattle is I mean, I don't it's not even I think they have been really good at home. They're not the same team they used to be, so it's not the same exact situation. Obviously, the defense isn't as good either. It's a shell of itself, but I just feel like. In my picks on bleedinggreennation.com, I took the Cowboys because I feel like I want to jinx them. But since there's a, a very important record on the line here, I think I have to take Seattle. I think they, I don't think they dropped mm. to 0 and 3. I think they're better than that. I don't think the Seahawks are good, but I think they're better than an 0 and 3 team. And I think having that quote unquote 12th man, just silly advantage at their home stadium <laughs> and given how good they are at home and how few non-divisional losses they have at home like they have a like an insane home record so with that said I think they find a way somehow to bounce back and I just I'm not a big believer in the Cowboys so I'll take the Seattle as home favorites
1: yeah we're not going to be ringing the bell this week because I'm with you and again I I have the same fears about Seattle that you do I, I don't think that this is obviously it's not the team that we have grown to know over the last four or five years but I think they are a superior and their home record is something that you can't ignore, Uh, especially Russell Wilson playing at home. He figures out a way. He finds a way. He's a playmaker. Even when the talent around him isn't as good or when things aren't going well, he figures out a way to do it. And Dallas is a flawed team. Russell Wilson versus Dak Prescott with Russell Wilson at home. And it's just a three-point line. I think it could be a three-point game. I think this is a close game. I certainly wouldn't put money on this game, but I think you're right. I think Seattle is the play here, uh, giving three points to the Dallas Cowboys. Which brings us to our Eagles versus Colts pick for this week. I have not been good picking these Eagles games this year. Uh, I'm 0-2 on Eagles games. I had them losing the first game and winning last week. And I got to tell you, BLG, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other with this one. The Eagles are favored by six points. The way they played against Tampa on the road makes me feel like that line is a little bit high with Andrew Luck coming in here. But what do you think with the Eagles favored by six hosting Indianapolis this Sunday?
2: There's a part of me that feels like the Eagles could just smack this Colts team. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is coming back. I think the energy is going to be great. I think, again, the Eagles just play so well at home. I feel like this could be like, oh, wow, like Carson Wentz is back. And this team is different now. Now, the, the, the thing that holds me back from that is just, again, you look at the lack of skill players. And I just wonder. Where are these points coming from? Yeah, how do they score? (laughs) Like, can I if I am projecting them to win, like, let's say you know thirty one to seventeen? Like, how am I expecting them to score four touchdowns? So, I just that's the part I am hesitant on. But I I do think the Eagles win this game again. They're just they're sixteen and three at home in the Doug Peterson era. Carson Wentz is coming back. I think the defense will rebound. They play well at home, as we know. So I do think the Eagles win. Uh, I think I am going to say twenty four to to 13 i think they hmm. they score three touchdowns maybe one of them is a defensive touchdown somehow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but and i do think they win fairly comfortably i i could see it being a host game just because of what we talked about the earlier about the whole it's almost like a division game in some senses and the familiarity but i just i, I have this feeling like i last year I know it's very anecdotal and very maybe silly, but I I just had a feeling about certain games. And I would always tweet out Eagles are going to get that W early in the morning when I felt that way. And they never lost when I did that. And I just have that feeling this week. So maybe that's going to leave me wrong. Hopefully not. But I just I feel like the Eagles are going to win this game and I feel like it's going to be great. Everyone's going to be like, yes, Carson's back. Uh, Let's put that Bucks game behind us. It's almost a whole new season. So hopefully that's the case.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you have that feeling. I just don't have that feeling yet because I don't know what we're going to see from Wentz. And like you said, the position players are—the skill position players are certainly a question mark. But the record of this defense at home is nothing to ignore. And I do think that the Eagles defense could put the Eagles offense in good position on a few drives by giving them a short field with turnovers. That could certainly help the Eagles— rack up the offensive points and give Carson Wentz a couple of short fields and that would be outstanding. I think if the when I think the Eagles will win this game and I think that is probably how it's going to have to happen. That uh, that maybe the Eagles get the ball at midfield a couple of different times. We saw Wentz's Ability last year to convert third downs was a huge key to them being able to score points and red zone efficiency was a big key in order for them to score points. So when they get the ball in the red zone, scoring touchdowns is going to be key, especially since Jake Elliott has looked a little bit shaky here in the first couple weeks of the season. That being said, I agree. I think the Eagles will win this game. I've got it something along the lines of 21-13, to 13, so a little bit closer maybe, but I do think the defense steps up this week to help out Carson Wentz and a depleted Eagles uh, offense get close enough to the end zone to score some points and, and make this a, a, a relatively comfortable victory by the end of the ballgame. So um, just a couple days before this uh, Week 3 matchup, BLG, any final thoughts before the Eagles take the field on Sunday?
2: iTunes ratings five stars reviews make sure give us some feedback in addition to the rating you know five star rating of course which you can only do for BGN radio and iTunes It's the only one they allow You you can't try anything else it's just five stars. Give it a rating, leave a review, tell us what you do like, what you don't like. Obviously, there isn't anything you don't like, but if there is for some reason, tell us. Either way, give us your constructive criticism. Give us ideas that if there's something yes. we're not doing that you want to see,
1: we'd love to hear it. Absolutely. The Carson Wentz era part two gets underway here on Sunday afternoon against the Colts. For Brandon Lee Galton, I am John Stolnes. Thanks, everybody, for listening to BGN Radio episode number 10. Go Eagles on Sunday afternoon. That doesn't make sense.